Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. The Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. He is Greg. I am Nick. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. And this episode is brought to you by our friends FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston and claim your $200 bonus. And not only FanDuel helping this program, also AG1 Athletic Greens, where you get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and the word I can't say, adaptogens, no, fine. to help you start your day right. All right, so uh, it's been a busy weekend, Greg, I'll tell you. And, and I've been I've been very, very excited to do this podcast with you. I went to Vegas, had a good time. I went to the Celtics game last night, had a good time. But I've been thinking throughout this last four or five days, I cannot wait to do this pod with Greg. I watched your pod with Greg Cosell. If anybody missed it, check it out again, Greg Bedard Patriots podcast. Greg was fantastic as usual. So let's jump into everything that's happened here over the past couple of days. We start with the Jalen Mills news that came out earlier today, just about an hour or two ago. Mills is back, Greg, and he's playing safety. Yeah, interesting how – I mean, look, the whole thing is interesting. That um, It was a surprise to me that Mills was released in the first place. Yeah, it saved about $5 million off the cap. And uh, what's amazing um, is I don't think there was any dead money to that. So, I mean, you know, it, it would have – looked weird if the Patriots like cut him, uh, took two, like two and a half million dollar dead cap hit and then signed him back to pay him more money against the cap. But it, it looks like from what I can tell, it doesn't work out that way that they released him. The money came straight off the books. Now he's back. They, they say the deal done by Bill Belichick's favorite guy, Drew Rosenhaus is it's a uh, one year up to $6 million. So that sort of tells me, it's going to be a really low base, like two to three million dollars uh, plus per game roster bonuses, plus playing time incentives, all that stuff. And uh, one of the reports, I think it was Jordan Schultz, made it a point to say that he's basically coming back to play free safety or to play safety for the Patriots. That's a move that you and I talked about uh, very early in the offseason before free agency started, that when we looked at the tapestry of the Patriots secondary if Devin McCourty retired which he in fact did with a ceremony yesterday at uh at Gillette Stadium that the number one the first place I would look is Jalen Mills because he has that ability played uh was sort of a hybrid in Philly um one year I think he played mostly safety um 
never really loved him at cornerback for the Patriots. He wasn't bad. He had a really good training camp, never materialized. He's gotten hurt uh, at the end of the last two seasons, hasn't been available for the end of the year when the games really mattered. Uh, but I think you look at his body type, his speed, his ability to go uh, sideline to sideline, you know, rather than move Jonathan Jones back there or maybe a small guy like Miles Bryant or even, you know, Joshua Bledsoe, he's coming back from his first, second or third year. Um, you know, I think that Jalen Mills on paper seems to be the right guy. I mean, you don't have to be overly physical at that position. It's mostly a get back position and read the corner, uh, the quarterback so that uh, you know you're you're basically playing the right coverage and keeping the Patriots out of a big play. I think Mills has that ability, but I I don't think this this does. I wouldn't pence. I wouldn't write him in an ink at free safety. I think it's still Nick the way the Patriots do. This is the way they do things. They have an idea, but really it's determined on the field. And I think they're going to try a bunch of guys. They'll try Jonathan Jones if Jonathan Jones is better back there, and it makes more sense to put Jalen Mills at cornerback. They'll do that. They'll look at Miles Bryant. They'll look at Joshua Bledsoe. They might even look at Adrian Phillips, who I think is a little slow for that spot. But um, this keeps things open. They were looking at other free safeties. I think this eliminates it. I think it basically, you know, the Taylor Rapp guy from the Rams, they had in, I guess we're talking to. But, you know, at this point in time, normally the Patriots are like, all right, here's our contract, take it or leave it, or we're moving on to a cheaper option. And I think Jalen Mills was the cheaper option. And this is something that uh, we talked about before. Uh, not a huge surprise to, to not a huge surprise to listeners of this podcast or members at BSJ. Um, I think this is smart. I still think this leaves a to me a gaping hole at cornerback. But you know, going into this draft, but we could talk about that in a second. Yeah, I was going to say the when you look at this uh, secondary, the one thing I do like is the versatility. They do have a bunch of guys that can play different spots, and I think they'll mess around with that. They'll tinker with it. They'll tweak it, and they'll cause some issues for opposing offenses. Uh, I I do agree with you though. I still want that lockdown number one corner, at, or at least a guy that projects to be that kind of dude out of the draft. I, I think it's an obvious need for this football team. Uh, and, and hopefully cornerback is a spot that's a, it's, is deep this year in the draft, at least through the first couple rounds. So, you know, maybe the Patriots have identified a couple of guys. I know I've seen a bunch of mock drafts uh, talking about Joey Porter Jr. as the guy who's, you know, he's a bigger corner, which I think would help this secondary to have at least one guy out there that's bigger in size. And then you could slide Jack Jones, the two, Marcus Jones, Jonathan Jones, whoever wants to play in the slot. And then you can mess around with the safety stuff. The other part of the Jalen Mills thing, is the 2024 aspect of the contract. Now Mills is done after this season, which means he's no longer on the books in 2024. We're going to get to that a little bit later because my man Greg has his tinfoil hat on. He has a possible uh, theory as to why this might all be happening. But before we get to that a little later, let's jump to the next topic, Greg. Damian Harris, he is gone and he goes to division rival Buffalo, what'd you make of the move? Harris going to the Bills and the Patriots ending up with James Robbins. Yeah, I um, look. I my my initial reaction is I don't love it. Um, I I don't. I think it's a for the first time this offseason in terms of what they've added. I think that going from Damian Harris to James Robinson is a downgrade. Now we'll have to see the contract that Harris gets to go to Buffalo. Um, if if you could ask me. It, you know, say the money's equal. 
and I, I'll be curious to get your thoughts on this, Nick. You know, Damian Harris or James Robinson, you know, I want Damian Harris. I mean, I think he has, you know, and even Greg Cosell talked about this. You know, James Robinson is a good guy, reads the reads the hole correctly. You know, he's got a little bit of power to him. But the thing is, he doesn't have any juice, any breakaway ability, where I think that Damian Harris, look, he's not Gale Sayers, but, you know, we've seen him routinely, you know, pop 20, 30, 40 yarders um, if given up a big hole. And I'm sure Robinson can do some of that, but I think that, you know, Harris, he knows the scheme. He knows the system. Um, you know, he's pretty good at blitz pickup. We'll see with Robinson. I think he's pretty good at that too. But in my opinion, I think this is a little bit of a downgrade where I'm guessing the money's going to be kind of equal. Um, you know, maybe the Patriots didn't like something about Harris, you know, missing so much time last year. But I, I don't love this move. For the first time all season, I don't, I'm not in love with this move. I wonder what you think. What I've seen is Damian Harris will get the, the one-year deal. His base value is reportedly about $1.7 So it's, you know, it's not oh. that big. of. And, uh, look, I, I agree with you. I was the guy, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, uh, early on in Damian's career, I was standing on top of the table during this podcast screaming, get this man more touches, get this man more touches. Yep. Um, you know, he's been banged up from time to time, but James Robinson's been banged up a lot as well. I don't think you upgraded. I think Damian Harris is better than James Robinson. Maybe James Robinson will prove us wrong if Belichick gets the last laugh. Great news for the Patriots. Good news for us because that means it's a better team to cover. But I just I don't I don't see it. I don't see it with Robinson versus Harris. I would have kept the guy that was in the system already. And I agree with you as well about the explosivity about Harris. You know, he, he can give you some of those home runs every once in a while. I, I'm not in love with this move. I don't quite understand it. Maybe it'll make more sense as we get closer to training camp. All right, let's talk receiver. We all know Jacoby Myers is out. Juju Smith-Schuster is in. You talked about Juju with Greg Cosell in your podcast earlier this week. My two cents on Juju, upgrade over Jacoby, better contract than Jacoby. I'm fine with the move. I think he's more dynamic than Myers is. I'm not going to say a lot that people haven't already said. I tweeted this last week at Nick C Radio about his yak, and, and he's able to do different things in the open field versus what Jacoby can do in the open field. Love Jacoby, but I do think if Juju can stay on the field, it's an upgrade. But everybody, Greg, everybody is talking about the big wide receiver one spot. Who is going to be the number one guy? Who is going to be the outside guy? Let's start with DeAndre Hopkins, things that you've heard and what you think is going on with the Arizona Cardinals wide receiver. Well, from you know what I know and you know, sort of what I've been reporting all offseason, I think I think the Patriots have some interest. I think that they're you know, they're being very patient. Um, I think the contract would be a huge deal to them and, and something that we're going to get to, we might as well get to now because I think it's germane to this discussion about um, potential wide receiver options is, uh, you know, the Patriots, their cap space for this year, you know, going to ballpark it because not all the deals are in, especially Mills. But you're talking, they have about, right now, about 10 to $11 million left in cap space. And really, that's the amount that they like to use um, throughout the season, what they're going to need to operate the season. So they normally stay in that range. Um, of course, cap space, Nick, as we know, can be manipulated in any way you want. 
um, through different mechanisms, you can create cap space at the drop of a hat. Uh, so that doesn't preclude the Patriots from doing anything. It's just not their MO um, to do that. And they they really don't do that that often. They don't have a lot of great contracts that, I mean, even if they've reached extensions with some of their young and up-and-coming players like Kyle Duggar, Michael Wenu, people like that, those guys aren't making a lot of money now. So you're not really saving a whole lot this year. So, you know, when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins, say they get Hopkins, I think what DeAndre wants to get paid is a huge component of this. I think that the the deal for – what was the deal that just went down? Um, uh, Brandon Cooks. Cooks, you know, went for, you know, a couple of late-round picks, really, and then they adjusted the contract – I think that 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 was reality for the Cardinals. So I think that that's, you know, like we've talked about before, you know, it was reported they're looking for a second rounder plus. Now, that's what they're saying out there. That's what they would like. No one's going to give them that. So I don't think the trade compensation would be a big part of this. I think it would be DeAndre Hopkins and his contract. And and even that, you could do you could easily do it under the cap by taking what he's a bulk of what he's owed the next two years, which I think is the balance of his contract, putting it into a signing bonus and adding on like three void years, dummy years for accounting purposes. And all of a sudden this year, he's like one or 2 million on the cap and he's bigger going forward, but they have a ton of cap space next year and going forward, which we'll talk about. But so I, you know, I don't know, is it going to happen? I don't know. I, I tend to doubt it. Maybe maybe it waits until after the draft to see what they do. Um, maybe one of these wide receivers like Jackson Smith Enigma, Zay Flowers, what have you, is available to them in the first round, and they decide they don't want that. And the other thing, for the Cardinals, for uh, uh, salary cap purposes, it's better if they trade him after June 1st. It's easier on their cap. So that's something to keep in mind. It'll be really interesting because do the Cardinals want the draft pick this year? And, and that's the biggest question with that, right? Like if you wait until June 1st, then you make a trade with the Patriots. The Patriots give you, let's say, a third round pick, uh, maybe a, like a fourth round pick with a condition, whatever it would be. You don't know where the Patriots are going to be picking. How much improvement have the Patriots made in the offseason? What's this all look like? The Cardinals might feel like it's actually a good gamble. They might look at the division and say, well, if Aaron Rodgers is going to the Jets, the Dolphins have gotten better. Buffalo's really good. Patriots going to be fourth in that division. If that's the projection from Monty out there in Arizona, the new GM who obviously has ties with New England, he's well you know, aware of the program here. So if they project that pick to be better in 2024, then they might be waiting and just say, hey, we have absolutely zero reason contractually or compensation-wise to make this move right now. Uh, I also think, look, I don't know if it's going to happen. And by the way, uh, Karen Gregian says that the Mills contract is a restructured version of his existing deal. Uh, so he's on the books for one year worth up to 6.1. So it's a restructure, not necessarily, I guess, a release and then a re-sign. Um, but when you, when you look at you know, how the Patriots are handling this. I don't know if this is going to come to fruition, Greg, but it feels like the Patriots are playing this right. It, it feels like they had a really good read on the wide receiver market. They they knew they could get Juju for a little less money than Jacoby. And now when you look at the available wide receiver ones, even, and we'll talk about Jerry Judy in a minute, but when you just look at Hopkins, where else is he going to go? I think it's a significant question. 
Dallas mm-hmm. is out because they traded for Cooks. Josina Anderson reported this morning that Cleveland is out. Uh, you look at the Panthers. The Panthers brought in Adam Thielen, and they're going after DJ Chark. Is is that going to be their plan, or are they still in this Hopkins thing reportedly? It, it looks like, from what I've seen and gathered over the past few days, Tennessee, Atlanta, and New England are the three primary teams involved in this. Maybe so, the Giants. Maybe the Giants, but I saw Jordan Renan say there's no way they're getting Hopkins or OBJ, that they want to draft Okay. So depending on his intel, um, the Giants could be out as well. So if you look at this, you probably have three available wide receiver ones. If you believe Judy's a wide receiver one, which we'll get to in a minute, you've got Jerry Judy, you've got DeAndre Hopkins, and you've got OBJ that you'd have to sign. And so the Patriots, I think, are looking at this and saying, okay, well, there's – there's there, there are a couple of teams that are going to draft the wide receiver, including including maybe us. So really, how many options does Hopkins have with the contract, the compensation, right. and the landscape? So I think the Patriots are just sitting there waiting. And meanwhile, as you mentioned, the Brandon Cooks deal happens, which I think absolutely drops any delusional belief that the Cardinals had that they could get like a second round pick. For Hopkins, as you mentioned, I think you're looking at best, at best, a third round pick now for DeAndre. So I think they're doing it right. They're waiting. And if they don't feel like they've got to pull the trigger on one of these deals, then, hey, we'll we'll draft a guy that we believe in if they want to do that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Let's jump to Jerry Judy, though, Greg. He's another guy that's been talked about. I've seen reports that the Patriots have made phone calls to Denver. Uh, there's some hesitancy about the price. What are you hearing about Judy? Yeah, I you know, I think they've been, uh, like Hopkins, they've been sort of keeping in touch, monitoring, seeing what the market is. I think they're waiting for it to, to hit their price point. Um, I think they might jump on it. Now, I, I do want to caution people from the start, and I think Nick has thoughts about this, is – um, if they get Jerry Judy, I would not like start celebrating in the streets that the Patriots are suddenly a Super Bowl contender. I think there's a lot of questions about Jerry Judy. Do I think he has a ton of potential? Yeah. Well, it'd be nice to get him back with Mac Jones. And also, um, I, I don't know if he played for Bill O'Brien, but you know, in the Al- some familiarity with what went on at Alabama. Um, yes, but. You know, I don't think this is like Randy Moss or anything like that. And I still think Hopkins is the more proven guy that you know is going to deliver, has delivered in this scheme for Billy O'Brien. But the report, there's a report from Benjamin Albright of Denver's KOA-FM that says the the Broncos would listen to an offer for a second-round pick and a player. Um, this is related to the Browns. I think Mary Kay Cabot in uh, in Cleveland reported this. They said the Broncos supposedly at least pondered an offer for a second and fourth rounder, and then they say possibly from the Patriots. They're not saying it definitely was from the Patriots. Um, I think the Patriots would do that sort of deal. I mean, you know, look, it'd be similar to the Brandon Cooks deal that they did way back when where they got Brandon Cooks, they exercised his fifth-year option, and then basically used that year as a tryout 
didn't love what they saw out of Brandon Cooks, so they traded him for the Rams. Um, I could see the same similar situation. But again, I think the draft factors into this. I mean, if you if you all of a sudden pounce on a wide receiver in the first or second round um, that you think, especially if the Patriots trade down from 14 and get, like, say, two first-round picks, if you pick a wide receiver down at the bottom of the first, um, you're going to have five years of control of that guy. You know, do you, in in paying less, do you want him or Judy and give up the draft pick? So I think they're in on it. I, I think it's similar to Hopkins. They're in it waiting to reach their price point. So I, I have a number of thoughts on Judy. Number one, there's no way in hell I'm trading a first-round pick for Jerry or Judy. There's just no, no chance on God's green earth. He is not a proven number one. He had 13 drops his rookie season. It seems like he has settled that issue. I think he had five last year, but he has had some issues with drops from time to time. Um, and I just look at this, and if you're if you're Belichick, right, and you're sitting down, you're trying to put all of this together like Greg and I try to do. If you can trade a third-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins and you get a short-term deal, it's going to be a little bit bigger in money. Greg went over the structure a couple of minutes ago. If you're giving up a third for Hopkins versus a second and a player or a first-round pick for Judy, to me, it's a no-brainer you're going Hopkins. No-brainer. In, in, in a split second, I would make that decision and say D-Hop is the guy. If Because if you gave up a first-round pick for Judy, you're giving up an opportunity to fill a, a need that you have on this team. Offensive tackle, I think, is something they need mm -hmm. to do in the draft. Cornerback, one, is something they need to do in the draft. And maybe you look at it and say, hey, we can we can trade down in the first round, pick up extra picks, and then that allows us to address the wide receiver situation along with the tackle and cornerback situation without having to screw around. The The other part of Jerry Judy that we have to remember is, you know, the 50-year option. You, you've got to – if you trade for him, you have to make the decision in less than a month. You've got to make it by early May whether or not you're picking up his 50-year option. And do you have enough confidence in this guy that, that you want to pick up that option? And if you don't pick up that option, could that become an issue with him this year? There's just way too many questions. There's just way too many risks. I'm, I'm not giving up a first-round pick. I'd have, I'd have some issue even giving up a second-round pick uh, for Judy. But if, if the Patriots felt like he could be an absolute number one, then maybe you take that flyer. Maybe you say, I'd rather have Judy... Uh, with that second round pick instead of drafting somebody in that spot with the history of the Patriots in the draft at that position. But yeah, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going bananas over Jerry Judy. And if I see one more tweet from our guy, James Stewart and clip this Felgren Maz and, and Jimmy, Jimmy Stu, Jay Stu out there with the, uh, the, the, the price, the price point. Here's the thing. Okay. Price point is legitimate folks. It, it, every team, has a price point for every single player. It's how far they're willing to extend to bring that player in. If you're in the camp that you would trade a first-round pick for Jerry Judy, sorry, you and I disagree. If the Patriots say we're not trading a first-round pick for Jerry Judy because that's too high of a quote-unquote price point, then I agree with the New England Patriots. It's all about how much you're willing to give up. So to go out there and bitch about how the Patriots are always worried about price point and this and that. Well, tell me if you'd be giving up a first-round pick for Jerry Judy. Tell me if you're giving up a second-round pick and more for DeAndre Hopkins. Tell me what deal you would make. Tell me what money you would pay. Now, in free agency, 
you could definitely beef and say they could have brought in a couple of guys free agency-wise. And I would agree with that. But this tired narrative, every single time the Patriots don't want to acquire somebody, it's because they're cheap. It's BS. It's BS. Every team in the league has a price point. Every team says we're not going that far on that guy. And by the way, I'd like to I'd like to mention to, to my guy, Jay Stu, Felger and Maz. Has Jerry Judy been traded yet? No. You want to know why? Because the price point's been too high. Get out of my face. Uh, by the way, cap space for the Patriots, about $11 million left. We'll get into 2024 in a minute. And uh, Greg's tinfoil hat theory he might have for us. But first, tell us about Athletic Greens. By the way, just to revisit this quickly, uh, I mentioned Karen Gregian's thoughts on Jalen Mills. The original report, want to give our guy Mike Reese the credit. Um, Mike Reese, Reese's Pieces, has been doing the beat forever. Mike's the best. Don't know him personally, but I, I know a lot of people who know Mike personally, and they speak just incredibly about the man. Uh, he had he had no the uh, he had the uh, fact that this is just a uh, it's a restructure, which of course means uh, the dead money that was going to be on the books is not on the books. So that's just a little a uh, little bit of accounting to be done on Jalen Mills. All right, let's get to uh, Greg Bedard's tinfoil hat. So twenty twenty four, Greg. Um, you say it looks really weird for the Patriots. I would say it looks very interesting uh, for the Patriots. Do explain this uh, tinfoil hat theory that you've got. Okay, here we go. And actually, we'll wrap into the BSJ member question because all of this started with a, with a question from one of our members in my uh, weekly Friday or Saturday, depending on the schedule, um, Q&A. And uh, Mika89 said, it seems that BB is unwilling to make serious financial commitments for 2024. Patriots have around 140 to 150 million in cap space for 2024. Do you see a 2021 like reset? Or does this mean uh, they like many of their 2024 pending free agents like Henry, Awenu, Duggar, Uche, and want to resign them? So I. You know, I get tunnel vision. I just sort of look at where we are, and I, partly because I'm covering Bill Belichick, and he has really tunnel vision about during this team building process about, hey, we we need to fill out our gaps and our you know make sure we're covered for the draft and all that other bull crap. Um, but you know, his question got me to look at next year, and it's there's a lot of interesting things. Now, it, I I just want to say at the top, it's not unusual for the Patriots to have a lot of cap space. Uh, about a year for next offseason, for the next offseason. Um, I, I saw a tweet from Mark Daniels from this time last year where he said they have $100 million in cap space. I know there have been other years where I've sort of been like, what are they doing? They have like $100 million. But this is weird. This is, to me, this is weird, okay? More strange than normal. And here's a couple of the reasons why. Uh, they only have 35 players for, signed for 2024. That's extremely low for them. It's not unusual to have, you know, I would say ballpark is usually around 45 or something like that. Remember, you can get to 90 guys in an offseason. And, you know, I think right now they're at like 80 plus or something like that, 75 plus the draft um, and undrafted free agency. Uh, The Patriots, I want to see because I wrote this this weekend. Okay, so right now the Patriots have... In 2024, they have about $130 million in cap space, which is third in the league. Texans are first at 150, 150 million. Titans are second at 140 million. Okay. That's 
again, it's not unusual, but that's a that's a big number for them. Um, as it stands right now, and obviously extensions are possible. You know, Bill might just be waiting until team building is done. Jalen Mills might be the last piece for now until they get a deal. And now all of a sudden they start on extensions. Uh, but the list of 2024 free agents is formidable. You have two key young defenders, Kyle Duggar, Josh Uche, three-fifths of the starting offensive line, Michael Wenu, Trent Brown, Riley Reef, who we think is going to start at right tackle as of now, both tight ends, Hunter Henry, Mike Kosicki's on a one-year deal, two key receivers, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, most of the linebackers, Juwan Bentley, Raekwon McMillan, Mac Wilson, Tavai has another extra year. Um, that's a lo- that's a lot of key guys that are free that are are slated to become free agents, unrestricted free agents. They can only franchise tag one um, a year from now. The number of players who will be entering the final year of their contract a year from now, twenty twenty five, is basically everyone else of substance on the roster. They don't have they 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 only have rookies signed for twenty twenty six. Mac Jones, Matthew Judon, Devon Godchow, Jonathan Jones, Dietrich Wise, David Anders, Adrian Phillips, Ramondre Stevenson, Lawrence Guy, Christian Barmore. They have all told in 2025, they have 15 unrestricted free agents that played at least 30% of snaps. Eight of them played over 50%. And remember, a year from now, they're going to have to make the decision on Mac Jones's uh, fifth year option uh, by early May 2024. So, with all that as the tapestry, um, looking at it, it just got me, you know, thinking what's going on now. If I had to bet right now, if I had to put put FanDuel money on it, one of my bonus bets, which were very key during March Madness, by the way, I would say, look, Bill's just getting around to doing extensions, and you know, we could be days away from, you know. Uh, Kyle Duggar being paid top of the market at safety, Michael Wenu being paid top of the market at guard. And all of a sudden, most of it hits on the 2024 cap and a lot of it's already gone and they're extending other people. They could wait to see with, you know, Hunter Henry and Mike Gusecki, which one they want to offer a contract extension during the year. So I am readily admitting that's probably what's going on here. But it led me to think, what's the alternative? Now, to me... I think that it makes me think, all right, is there something going on with Belichick in his future? And I know people will say like, oh, Bedard, again, you're talking about this stuff. I mean, you know, look, the guy's 71 years old. All right. He has two losing seasons in the last three years. Um, he hasn't exactly lit the world on fire with this off season. And a lot of people are projecting them to finish last in the AFC East and way down in the AFC uh, standings. So what's the what's my other alternative that's going on here? What's what's my read on this potential? You know, and again, this is my tinfoil hat. I'm not saying this is happening. I don't have any sources telling me this. This is just me fitting the puzzle pieces together of what's going on. Um you know, it leads me to to think when Kraft and Belichick met after this past season and Bill told him what his plans were, and Bill fell on the sword about the offensive failings that he had. Um, did Kraft say to Bill, okay, um, we, you said all the right things. We definitely want you back. Um, you know, I don't love your plan. And I'm sure Bill said, look, I screwed up the offense. 
this team is good enough. It was good enough last year. I'm bring I'm running I'm running it back on defense. We'll bring back Billy O'Brien. We'll add a couple key guys on offense, and we're gonna beef up special teams, and we're gonna compete. This team is good enough. I rebuilt this team. It's good enough. And what if Kraft said, "Okay, fine, Bill, you have earned the right again to do this, but this is it." Okay, we'll we'll back your vision, but here's the deal. If this doesn't work, and we have our doubts, again, just like we did a year ago, we have our doubts that this is going to work this year. So this is what we want. You can do whatever you want this year. You can sign as many special teams guys as you want. You can do whatever you want. You can run it back on defense. You have earned the right to do that. But here's the deal. If it doesn't work, then you need to you need to keep 2024 clean in case we decide to make a change because this would basically be third strike for Belichick a year ago. And we'll hear from Kraft and Belichick um, next week at the league meetings. I'll be there a year ago. Kraft unprompted unprompted came out and said how bothered he was. They hadn't won any playoff games in three years. Now it's four years. Um, I know they had their doubts about the, what Bill did on the coaching side and they sent out the, the, the memo to season ticket holders. We're going to hold everybody accountable, blah, blah, blah. Has much, all that much changed? You could say no. So this is, to me, this is sort of the third strike. He already has two strikes. Last year, he screwed up this year. You know, what if Kraft said, okay, Bill, we'll back you one more time. And we have, co- we have confidence in you. We want to see this succeed. We want to see you continue. And basically the deal between them is, Bill, you can do whatever you want with this year's team. And if, you, if you're right, you can write your own ticket. If you're wrong, we reserve the right to promote Ger- Gerard Mayo or Bill O'Brien. Coincidentally, the Athletic had a big takeout on Gerard Mayo this week about Bill Belichick 2.0, that if it doesn't work, we reserve the right to move on. And if my last thing I was going to say is if you were leaving it open, that Bill Belichick might retire, might get pushed out, whatever. The blueprint is what you see right now, that you have a ton of cap space next year. You make the decisions on free agents or the new coach makes the decisions on free agents. He makes the decision on the quarterback, like going forward, the, this is the blueprint for doing that. Is that going to happen? Again, I say the odds are long, but and, and I expect extensions and all this to be moot pretty in pretty short order, but I don't know. It, it, it makes you think because I do think where we are right now, 2024 is out of the ordinary for the Patriots as far in an, as an offseason. I have something else to this uh, possible theory. This could be all about Mac Jones, or a lot of this could be about Mac Jones. And what I mean by that is this is Mac Shear, man. Um, and we'll see what happens at receiver if they add Hopkins or Judy or even sign OBJ, who's out there saying he wants to play for four, more than $4 million. Good luck to you if, if you get more than $4 million OBJ. But, uh, you know, if Mac Jones proves to not be the guy, then you could see a pretty massive overhaul of this offense, right? I mean, you've got Parker coming up on his contract. You've got Kendrick Bourne coming up on his contract. Um, Gasicki has a one-year deal. 
you see all these guys with one-year deals. This could be a situation where, okay, Mac didn't work out. We tried the draft. What do we do at quarterback, and how do we want to supplement that quarterback position? If you go with somebody who's maybe a higher ticket price, you need the cap space. You, you can screw around with some of that stuff, right? Yep. If you decide to go with somebody else, I'm not – look, I don't think this is going to happen, folks, but let's say, in theory, tinfoil hat, Bailey Zappi is back on the map. And they're like, maybe we have to go with somebody who's like a Bailey Zappi, or maybe we have to go with somebody. Maybe Baker Mayfield plays pretty well in Tampa. Maybe we want to take a shot at Baker Mayfield. But if we're going to bring that guy in, we've got to make sure we surround him with just a ridiculous set of weapons and a great offensive line. So I do wonder if some of this has to do with the Mac decision. If he plays well, then you know where you're headed and, and you can you know go from there. If Mac doesn't show out this season with Bill O'Brien and some of the changes are making offensively, then you've got to solve the quarterback problem. And it's much easier to solve that problem next year if you have a buttload of cap space at your disposal. Just a Nick, thought Nick, that I let, yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, let me say that's a really good point by you. And it's one thing that I hadn't considered. It's why we do this podcast. It's why you're wicked smat. Um that is interesting because, you know, you could look at it. Another alternative theory is the Patriots said, okay, we tried the draft. We tried doing it this way. It didn't work. You know, and guess who? Let's say Lamar Jackson goes back to the Ravens and only plays on the franchise tag this, uh, this year, which is $32 million. Um, He's going to become – they could – if they tag him again, they have to pay him, I think, 120% of that if they have to tag – if Lamar says – Hell no, I'm not resigning with you. And now all of a sudden the Patriots are like, all right, we're doing this with Mac, but a year from now we could decide, you know what? It was wrong. This is too hard. We're just going to pay out the nose for a quarterback like Lamar Jackson when it's when it's harder for the Ravens to retain him instead of them just being able to match the offer now. A year from now, Lamar Jackson will pretty much be able to make his own deal anywhere and – um, they could do that. So that, you know, in loading up on cap space and then leaving it open to reconfigure the offense, you know, what do we want at receiver? What do we want it for offensive tackle if we have an athletic quarterback like Lamar Jackson? Like, what do we want to do? So that is interesting and certainly a, you know, a viable alternative um, to what is going on in 2024. But I think we can both agree that as of right now, um, 2024 looks really strange. If you were if you were going to make it looks like a completely clean slate for either Belichick or somebody else as of today. Greg asked for a uh, Celtics minute from me, and I literally have a minute. Uh, so so let me just give you a couple thoughts. I was at the game last night, King Celtics. By the way, I would say roughly a third of that arena was Celtics fans. There wow. were thousands. I'm not kidding. Thousands of Celtics fans in attendance in that the during that game last night here in Sacramento. Uh, just a few couple of things that I would say as far as them going eight and seven in their prior 15 games before last night. And you saw some of this change last night, thankfully. Uh, there's a difference between settling and creating threes. The Celtics fell in love with settling for threes, especially Jason Tatum over the past month, month and a half. When they create threes, which means you touch the paint, you spray it out, multiple passes, you go wing to wing, side to side, you have guys attacking to create other opportunities. When that team does that, uh, when this team does that, 
They are very difficult to stop offensively. They need to create threes instead of settle for threes. That goes into the final five minutes of the offense. Final five minutes of the offense, you're starting to have, you know, PTSD to last year's postseason and PTSD to last year when in the final five minutes, all of a sudden the Celtics pace slows down to a, to a snail's pace. And you've got Tatum dribbling it up the floor, walking it up, and the shot clock getting under 13, 12 seconds. They don't start any action. Everybody's standing around watching Tatum, and then Tatum eventually takes a sidestep, settle three. Last night, there was a difference. If you go back, you watch that for the last five, six minutes. The Celtics are up by 15 or so, and I remember talking to Kelly, who was sitting next to me. I said, this possession is going to mean a lot. Is Tatum going to settle, or is he going to attack? He attacked. He attacked the rim. He got a layup. Jalen Brown, next possession, attacked. He attacked. He sprayed it out to Derek White for a wide open three in the corner. White knocks it down. Tatum comes back and does settle for a three, and I start getting that feeling in my stomach, but Jalen Brown gets the ball the next possession and again makes it a thing to attack the paint. Don't settle. Keep the pace up. Keep ball movement, man movement. If it's popping, you're fine. Not worried about their defense if you're wondering, Greg. I think they'll be just fine with that. They'll step it up in the postseason. They've been good for most of this season. I do wish they had one more athletic wing, long athletic wing to help Tatum and Brown. Hauser's been, you know, good knocking shots down, but I really think they ask a lot of both Brown and Tatum. They set screens. They play both ends of the floor. They play a ton of minutes. They hardly ever sit out. I would have liked Stevens to add one more wing. And finally, I would just say they need Rob Williams healthy. They are 25 and two in their last 27 regular season games when they start JT, JB, Rob Allen, Marcus Smart. 25 and two in the last 27 regular season games when they start those five. Rob did not start last night. They still won. I thought it was their best game in quite a while here in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. um, they played the right way from the, from the beginning to the end. So that's my Celtics minute. There you go. There you go. Love Let me it. tell you. Episode of the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles that you just listened to was brought to you by our friends FanDuel, who we just waxed poetic about because they deserve it. Exclusive wagering partner for the uh, CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston and claim your $200 bonus. Hope you enjoyed this uh, podcast. It was jam-packed, man. Yeah, Bedard. Bedard got his tinfoil hat. He's doing yeah. good stuff. The guy Bedard does good stuff. Uh, we'll continue with this podcast if you want us to. Uh, everybody enjoy your weekend. Be well, be safe, and uh, we will be back. He's Greg and I'm Nick.